There's nothing easier in talking about sports. There's no lower hanging fruit than to just mention the word pirates. You will actually get a little bit of a giggle out of somebody. I'm not even being facetious here. You will get like a little smirk as you just say the word pirates if they know you're talking about the Pittsburgh Pirates. So saying something serious about them is really hard. I'm going to try anyway. Good morning to you. Good Tuesday morning. I'm Dan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports. This is Daily Shot of Pirates. <laughs> it comes your way bright and early every weekday if you're into football and or hockey. I also offer daily shots of Steelers and Penguins where you found this. I'm determined on this one. I'm determined to lay out for you a lineup that's plausible, that's, I mean, difficult to argue against in terms of being an effective option toward, I was going to say contending, I don't mean contending, competing in 2023. And I honestly don't care if you laugh at this, because I don't know, why would I, you know? It's just baseball that we're talking about. It's supposed to be fun, really, at its root. And if what I say comes across as having any kind of weight to it, maybe that concept ought to be taken at least a little bit seriously inside 115 Federal. And it's this, plain and simple, they aren't that far. And I understand how stupid that can sound on the surface. I also understand how legitimately laughable it can sound. Because we see 101 losses. We see 100 losses. And if you go back to 2020, who knows how many more they actually would have come up with had it not been for the pandemic restricting the season to 60 games. But as soon as you bring it up at the team level, it is what it is. You're just going to get a reflex. But as soon as you start naming names and assigning them to positions and maybe even give them a spot in a fictional batting order, then all of a sudden it takes it, it, it takes on a bit of a, oh, okay. But enough of the prefacing. Here, here, here it is. Ready? What would you think of Jiwon Bay at leadoff and in one of the corner outfield spots? Would you be okay with that? I don't know either, but here's what I do know. At every level of organized baseball, he's done nothing but hit. Now, it's not the kind of hit that you generally see in 2022. But it's a hit, and it's a get-on-base hit, and it's a steal-the-next-base hit, which is, by the way, something else that you don't see a lot of in 2022. Here's the real reason that I like Bay up there. They're changing the rules. And because they're changing the rules to favor more contact, more people getting on base, and in general, more movement on the base paths, this could be something of a secret weapon. I don't know if he'd be secret himself, but the usage of him would. They're eliminating the shift. They're making the bases bigger. Not a lot of people, even people who really 
closely follow baseball, I feel, have understood the ramifications of that. Bay is going to be a very 2023 player if he performs at nothing other than his own career norm slash trajectory. So, yes, I will take him at the top of the order. This portion of Daily Shot of Pirates is brought to you by our friends at North Shore Tavern. That's directly across Federal Street from PNC Park. It's home of Steak on a Stone, an eating experience, underscoring the word experience. The steak is brought to you partially cooked on an 800-degree stone, and you do the rest. It's a ton of fun, it's a great meal, and it's a baseball atmosphere like no other in Pittsburgh. North Shore Tavern, right across Federal Street from PNC Park. Ready? Here we go. Brian Hayes. To me, he's more of a two than Brian Reynolds is. Maybe I'm talking a little too much old school when I say that there, so I wouldn't mind seeing Reynolds at two if you go by the... If you go by the Joey Votto model in Cincinnati that your best hitter should be at number two because that's where they make the biggest impact in your lineup, analytically, whatever. To me, I'm still, you know, when you're close to 30 home runs on a regular basis, I'd rather have you at three. So anyway, so he slides down one. Or, or we knock out one or both of them and put O'Neill Cruz up there. One way or another... I just mentioned to you four guys who could easily be in your top three. The cleanup hitter, and this is the variable, has to come from the outside. And I know, I know, that's why it's the variable. Because the Pirates would have to spend money on this, and they'd have to do a little bit better than bringing in Daniel Vogel back a day and a half before the start of spring training when it happened to be convenient for him to drive up from his home in Fort Myers to get to Bradenton. Go get a real live first baseman slash DH. Get somebody to play first. Now, now you've got Cruz or Reynolds. And after that, you've got Jack Sawinski, who feels to me like someone who was born to be a six in a good lineup. Now, Jack's got issues, too. Jack is striking out way too much still. Jack's contact rate is nowhere near what it needs to be, and that might apply double next year with the new rules. Still, look at what we're doing here, okay? Rodolfo Castro, nice guy to have at seven. You know what I mean? It's always healthy to have somebody there who can hit it out of the yard. Might not be Mr. Consistency or whatever, but he's still a threat. And after that, we're talking about 8-9, which can either be, I don't know. The catching position obviously has to be there, but that's one discussion in spring training, and it's entirely another once we get to the middle of summer when we could see Andy Rodriguez or Henry Davis, you know, or maybe even both, be in Pittsburgh. And all of a sudden, everything looks different, like really different. Do you see what I'm doing here? I'm not even getting into the pitching. I'm just laying out the hitters for you. I didn't expect to be able to have any kind of discussion related to pitching. Not this soon, but, but when you're talking about Rowanzi Contreras and Mitch Keller, you're talking about a potential one and two. No, that doesn't make either of them an ace. Aces are very, very scarce in baseball. 
between those guys, you've got something there that could solidify a rotation. You've also got Luis Ortiz. You've got Johan Oviedo. You've got JT Brubaker. You can turn your nose up at JT if you want, but JT became a pretty good pitcher for the most part this past season, and he'd be a really nice five in almost any rotation in baseball. No hype, no exaggeration, no favoritism, because I like the guy. That's just that's just what's there. Bullpens are bullpens. The only thing that you really have to worry about going into an off season is do you have your back end taken care of? Well, the real question there is, does David Bednar have his back taken care of? He came back. He got onto the hill. He pitched. He pitched at least reasonably well. Nothing like before. But he started to show signs of being healthy. Yeri De Los Santos looked like someone who could be really, really good back there. I'll take two. And then after that, I'll go and spend a ton of money making the rest of the bullpen. Have I done anything here, or do I just have to say the word pirates and get a giggle? When we come back, J1Q. Or Michael, who asks, did the Pirates get a reasonable return for Joe Musgrove? He's now an ace in getting back David Badnar, Andy Rodriguez, Hudson Head. Did they trade low? As always, Michael, when it comes to prospect trades, it takes time to find that out. There were five total players who were acquired in that exchange, remembering, as you did, that Rodriguez came from the hidden third party in that exchange, and that being the Mets. Andy was one. Bednar was another. Head, you mentioned as well. Omar Cruz and Drake Fellows are the other two. Uh, Fellows can't really stay on the field, so he's kind of out. Omar Cruz looks like he could be, I don't know, not a particularly special reliever. You just take chances on guys. You get arms in deals. You hope that they can pan out. So what we're really talking about here are the other three, and they're not weighed equally either. Bednar, all-star closer this year. Absolutely phenomenal through the first half. Arguably the best closer in baseball for a span of three months. And it's actually kind of an easy argument to make, even though he played for Giggle Giggle the Pirates. Andy might be the biggest variable because he shot up so high on the prospect charts this year that he is reasonably considered the system's very best prospect by people who watch it closely. As in number one, as in ahead of all the first rounders, as in ahead of uh, a 1-1 in Henry Davis. That's how effective he was. That's how dynamic he was. And, and that's also what a pro he was and is. This kid, in addition to being really fun, uh, the most flattering thing that I heard about him came from an American League scout during a, a road trip that I made to cover the Pirates uh, in Milwaukee about a month ago when he said 
he got uh, I can't use that word. Let me try it again here. He he got kind of screwed around a little bit this year. He was told to play a bunch of different positions and he did and he never complained. And it would take him a few days or so after he got to the new position to be himself at the plate again. But then he was. And once he went back behind the plate and stayed at catcher for good, he really took off. So this is someone who's who doesn't even have like the the complaining gene in him. This is this is a good good trait for a young baseball player to have. He alone could make the trade worth it. Hudson Head is in a bit of a different space. He he was in A ball, he strikes out way too much, slightly over a third of the time. He does have some potential based on the contact that he does make. And he's got enough defensive pedigree that he can stick in center field. That at least tells you that he can be a good defensive corner outfielder as well. But he's not really exciting anybody just yet. He'd need to have some kind of breakthrough. Look, one thing that happens this time of year is everyone loves to count former Pirates here or there and flick on the TV and get really mad when you see Musgrove pitching as brilliantly as he did over the weekend to eliminate the Mets. I'm happy for Joe. This is like a really, really good dude. And he would have been a good long-term fit in Pittsburgh. But the way all of this was set up was to work with a certain time frame. You can't just transpose people who are at Joe's age, he's approaching 30, and say, okay, you're going to just be here forever and you're going to be brilliant and we're going to pay you a gazillion dollars while you're here and you're somehow going to mesh with this next wave of players. You have to work with players' ages and you have to work with at least some degree of window. But this is the part where I empathize with Ben Charrington. I feel like he's made a lot of mistakes since then, but I really loved the approach to keep saying this. You needed to put quantity and quality in your system when you made these moves. This trade did that. So far, so far. I'm not evaluating it. I'm not grading it. I hate that when it comes to prospect trades. But so far, it's done what it was supposed to do. Joe is going to be on center stage. You know, that's just kind of common sense. But what's going to end up happening If the Pirates ever get good again, it's going to be because of players like Endy and like Bednar. It just is. And when those guys are taking center stage and whatever else, no one's going to say, man, can you believe we got both of these guys in the same trade? The same way that if I ask you right now, who was it that the Pirates traded to Los Angeles to get O'Neill Cruz? And it was a trade. That was not an internal player. Who was it? First off, it was Neil Huntington, to his credit, as critical as I've been of him. And the player who was sent out was Tony Watson. Tony Watson. And at the time, Tony hadn't been doing all that great, but he was a part of some successful teams here. And a lot of people were like, hey, what are you doing with Tony Watson here? But this is how these things work. The trades look very, very bad at the beginning. 
and they can look very, very much the opposite at the end. I appreciate the question. I appreciate everyone listening to Daily Shot of Pirates. We'll do another one tomorrow. Tomorrow.